Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Are you ready to challenge a rhetoric? Today is Thursday, March 16th, 2017. My name is Sherry Roberts, and you're listening to Challenging the Rhetoric. Tonight, Abby Martin will be joining us to discuss the path of conspiracy pornographers that led to a Donald Trump presidency, a path that both she and I had once tread. Some would even say we unwittingly helped pave it. Abby, the former host of RT's Breaking the Set, is the creator and director of The Empire Files, a program that's documenting war and inequality and its impact on society. Thanks for tuning in. President Trump accused former President Obama of wiretapping him, only to later say he'd put his claim in quotes, blaming the New York Times for his accusation. Trump says the Times and other foundation media is fake news. While he and his cabinet continue to cozy up to the likes of King conspiracy pornographer Alex Jones, and in case you missed it, this past weekend Jones had an utter psychotic meltdown on InfoWars over Alec Baldwin mentioning him in the last Saturday Night Live skit. And if you haven't seen it, you definitely, I mean, seriously, it's a, it's five minutes at every Americans should be required uh, to subject themselves to at this point. We'd be a step closer to impeachment for sure, and everything that we talk about here tonight will just make so much more sense. As always, we have a whole lot to talk about. Uh, If you'd like to participate with us during the live broadcast, you can join us in the chat room on Blog Talk Radio forward slash challenging the rhetoric with sherry roberts just click on the episode 52 and the chat room should load right beneath the slider if you're already there hit refresh and it should be there you can also tweet to us at ctr newsfeed and at abby martin be sure to visit the website and facebook page at challenging the rhetoric news tonight we're using the hashtags ctr trump russia alt-right cult and resist remember this is a dialogue it's not a debate You know, those debates, they always, uh, they kind of hurt us. So keep it civil in there tonight. I've had some feedback today and uh, you want to talk, we're able to listen. Our guest tonight is Abby Martin. She's the creator and director at The Empire Files, the founder and editor-in-chief at Media Roots and the former host of RT's Breaking the Set. She's also a very talented artist. I love her work and a longtime activist. I love that even more. As an activist, Abby walks her talk, and as a journalist, she backs it. And she understands what real advocacy journalism means and what it takes to deploy it well. Over the past decade or so, Abby and I have witnessed firsthand the rise of this modern cult that I so often speak about. In some ways, we even participated in it before we got wise to the game. Now, our former comrades, those who once marched beside us screaming of tyranny and lambasting this fake news, they're the very same people who voted for tyranny and they create fake news. Talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, it's pretty crazy. What say you, Abby Martin? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sherry. It's a huge pleasure. Oh, I'm so glad to finally have you here. We finally have the appropriate thing for you and I to talk about together to my audience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Trump. <laughs> 
So, Abby, I mean, I gave kind of a brief little bio there, but for the listener who is not familiar with who you are, if you can just kind of give a, a little succinct rundown uh, to familiarize them with you. Sure. Uh, alternative independent journalist who's been trying to challenge uh, corporate media and U.S. empire for the last uh, 15 years. Uh, started as a political activist, and that's how we know each other, Sherry, and, and grew into just citizen journalism and advocacy in my own community. Um, Occupy Wall Street, and then and then RT found me through Occupy, and then I was doing Breaking the Set on Russia Today, a, a Russian um, state-funded uh, television network, uh, for three years, and then now I'm working for Telesur, doing more long-form documentary investigative journalism, and I could not be happier. Yeah, your latest piece on um, Bannon was 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 great. I've been sharing it all day. I just saw it today. I don't know when it came out, but um, it was really great. It, it it was, and I and I I really suggest that people give it a listen. I don't care what your political bent is. There's relevant and um, just important information there that people need to understand because, uh, you know, you said something on that show, but you've said it before, and it's a, it's truly about understanding where like things are coming from. And I want to get into that a little bit later into the show. One of the things that um, impresses me about you, Abby, I mean, I, I've talked about you a couple times on the show over the course of the last almost three years that I've been doing this, and. Um, I think you were about 19 when I met. I think we marched in Laguna the first time. And it was right around the, the time that the Tea Party kind of started entering uh, the the sphere. And um, one of the things that I was so impressed by you is that, well, I'll be honest. My first thing is that I showed up moving back to California from Tennessee. I had a real young boyfriend at the time. And he was all talking about Abby Martin. So I see Abby Martin. I see this hot chick with a big, intelligent <laughs> mouth. And... <laughs> And it was like, well, wait a minute. No, <laughs> but uh, what, what really impressed me is that it, you weren't just bullhorning on a corner like so many do. You weren't just out there saying, you know, oh, all these things are happening and without giving people something actionable or something like really solid to build any kind of foundation and knowledge on. And you, you, you're very thorough. One of the things I didn't mention in the opening as I brought you on is, and I think that the listener should know is I, I believe you're a board member. Also, you sit on the board of project censored. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Project censored. One of the greatest, biggest research organizations in the country. They are awesome. Oh, they're amazing. Uh, both Peter Phillips, one of the directors uh, from the past, and now Mickey Huff, um, they've both been on the show. And Peter is is a long, long, long time friend of mine. So I, I really appreciate I remember hearing that you were sitting on the board and thinking that that was fabulous. Can you talk a little bit uh, before we jump into this? Because I think it has a lot to do with the advocacy, advocacy journalism aspect of, of what we're going to discuss. A little bit about Media Roots. Sure. Media Roots was, uh, you know, back in the day, Sherry, when we met, um, I was doing 9-11 Truth Advocacy. I felt like it was the most important issue during the Bush administration, of course, knowing how many things we were lied to about, um, knowing that the Democrats were complicit, knowing that the corporate media was complicit. I kind of narrowed my focus more and more on, hey, yeah, I can focus on the Democrats, I can focus on Bush, but the thing is, we cannot get our message out about anything. Every issue is censored. Um, that it affects people in their communities. So I realized, hey, media is the biggest issue of all. And I heard Peter Phillips talk, and I was just so floored by how deep the censorship really went. And it's, of course, not the black hand of the state coming on and maybe blacking out a story. It's obfuscation. It's backpaging. It's um, framing. So 
you know, I started Media Roots because at the time, um, there wasn't really that many alternative websites online that were A, aesthetically pleasing, and as an artist, I felt like I really wanted something clean, ad-free, that didn't just look like a, 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 a you know, a crappy blog, that, that was actually really good to look at and had an archive of underreported, censored information that I felt like really was impactful and really needed to be read by people, and also just featuring local artists and musicians that I felt like um, needed to be heard. So I just went ahead and started that website. And, and started filming and, and doing reporting in, in San Diego and then, of course, Oakland when I moved up there to be closer to Project Censored. And, and I've had it ever since. I, I use it as uh, basically a hub now for all my work that I do and, and aggregate other people's work as well. I have to tell you, I just peeked into the listener chat room and I'm relieved. I thought we were going to have Troll City in there tonight. There's just a small handful of people in there. <laughs> but uh, Laura, Laura Moody's in the chat room as well as John Wilson, and they are um, sharing links to um, Project Censored as well as Media Roots, and they'll continue to share links along the way as I tweet them out as we're talking. Um, when, when Abby, for you, I think I think you and I were kind of enticed by the same thing, and I think that the story that you and I have to tell together is really important probably now more than when we were trying to tell it. And so if you don't mind giving a little bit of observation of let's let's just let's just go there. George W. Bush versus Donald Trump, kind of where we are, because I know that back in the day we felt we were fighting fascism. Um, you know, we had our, our our thoughts and opinions and beliefs on 9-11 truth. I still hold true to mine. I believe you do with yours as well. I think people have a problem with terminology about that. And there are a lot of people from the 9-11 truth world that want to nail us down to a particular set of verbiage. Uh, but these are people that don't understand journalism. And, and again, that's something I appreciate from you because I came from corporate media before I had met you. So I had learned kind of a certain set of skills and presentation and how to, you know, cause an effect basically. And um, when I met you was kind of about the same time that Luke Radowski had come on the scene and he was shoving cameras in everybody's faces. And I, I felt, I personally had felt at the time that, that that was really harmful. And I think that maybe people that were coming in at that time uh, into these activist movement had were energized by that. But I think that it was both good and bad. And I think that we're kind of there now. So as an activist and a journalist, I think for me, what I saw in you, which was very impressive as someone so young and uh, seeing you evolve and mature over the years is that you really do dig into something. You don't just say things willy-nilly. There's credibility behind you. And when you are wrong about something, you're the first one to say so. So kudos to that. But mm -hmm. can you kind of talk on the struggle that you've had in the the bigger media world, not just alternative journalism, but, you know, being on RT with, with Breaking the Set, now doing the show with Telesur with um, Empire Files, and you've had interactions and stuff going on with Jesse Ventura, and, you know, your hands are in lots of different pies and stuff. Mm -hmm. What are you, are you finding that your activism is a detriment to you as far as career? You know, not at all, Sherry. I, I think that going into this, I never wavered from my beliefs and principles, and I always use that, as you said in the intro, as an advocacy journalistic style. Um, I, I lay my opinions bare. I wear my heart on my sleeve. And, and, you know, a lot of people really hate that style of journalism. But to me, um, living in such a censored world with such an abysmal climate of, of the way media, the media landscape is, 
I find it very refreshing. I would much rather know where a journalist stands than to be tiptoeing around objectivity. We all have beliefs. We all have opinions. Lay it out on the table, baby. I, I'm all about the Glenn Greenwald style of journalism. I really am. I mean, I, I would much rather have someone know exactly who I am, what my bias is, where I'm coming from, and take it or leave it, love it or hate it. You know, a lot of people love to point to, you know, establishment publications that really set the narrative for the beltway, like Wall Street Journal and New York Times. And, and to me, we know where their bias lies. It's with empire. It's with corporatocracy. Um, so It's so, you know, with don't, dollars. Don't, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all these people say, oh, we need to get the government's line. It's always like, well, here's what Monsanto said. And then here's what these, these other people said. It's like, I don't need to know Monsanto's line in order to get an opinion from a news piece. So I've always gone balls to the wall and I've never stopped. But, but as you and I both know, Sherry, the 9-11 truth handle really, 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 really does stick with you because it's used as a pejorative to shut down dissent, to shut down any sort of debate about this issue. And this is an issue where congressmen were coming out saying Bush um, was warned repeatedly. I mean, he was sleeping on an aircraft carrier because he, there were so many warnings. I mean, it's unbelievable how much we were lied to about that event. And of course, the 28 Pages movement um, lays bare a, just a sliver of truth that has been totally covered up for the last 15 years, 16 years rather. So that label is used by the corporate media, by the establishment, in order to smear people. It's a disinformation campaign. And of course, we both know that a lot of people um, got swept into the wrong direction that started off in the right direction um, for truth and accountability on behalf of the family members who, who lost so many loved ones. And unfortunately, that whole movement, led by Alex Jones, um, has taken them on a severely severely detrimental path that has actually bred the same fascism and, and tyranny that we were fighting a long, long time ago. And, and we can get into any aspect of that because I'm rearing to go. <laughs> well, yeah, no, and I'm glad to hear that because, and I don't mind if we, you know, and, and my listeners know I provide a log to my guests every week because I come from rural radio, terrestrial radio. And so, you know, if I'm doing an hour show, I'm doing an hour show and I'm going to stay on time. <laughs> Um, but I don't mind switching around topics because Alex Jones is a huge hot button topic for me. Um, and, and, and I know that he is for you as well, but let's step back kind of into our past for a minute. There were times and I, and I talk about this all the time that when it comes to people like Alex Jones specifically, when he first kind of came in my peripheral, I was still one of the only female 9-11 truthers out there. You know, I got you by like a lot of years as far as my own personal age. And at that time, it was um, I was pretty tech savvy, but people didn't really know or understand podcasts and, and having, you know, the Internet to have a broader reach and how to use that from a broadcast perspective. It was all very new. And, you know, as a matter of fact, I mean, we didn't even have social media. We had forums and websites, but not social media when 9-11 had happened. And I was working the forums at that time. But afterwards, you know, we kept hearing about this Alex Jones. Oh, he predicted 9-11 and this, that and the other. And those few people, those those handfuls of people in the early 9-11 truth movement we had glommed on to Alex Jones because he had a platform. No other reason. He had a platform and he was speaking a similar language, even if we didn't like adhere or rubber stamp everything he said. It was enough. And I think that a lot of new activists on any topic, on any category of all the wrongs of the world, 
fall into that problem. I mean, wouldn't you agree that we, we find a hero and then we hate him, you know, whether it's a week or 10 years later because we find out something about them that's bad. But once they're our hero initially, before we've truly vetted what they're all about, we're, we're uplifting them. We're putting them on this platform. And so we're building and stroking that ego and creating that empire that, that comes to be. So with Alex Jones, um, I think that, uh, I don't know. I know that organizations you and I have both been a part of, I know that people like Adam Ruff that, uh, that is attached to both of us. I know that they have actually like Adam Ruff, for instance, I know that they sold some video footage to Alex Jones that was Charlie or not Charlie Shane, Martin Sheen. Uh, I believe at the time, I know I did some stuff with we are change LA, uh, you know, that involved Adam and drew and, you know, all these people and stuff who knows where they really are now. But I can say that we've seen, a lot of the people that you and I have had dealings, early dealings with in our early activism times that are now these Trump supporters, these Alex Jones frenzied finger on the trigger waiting for it to happen, claiming everything is fake news as they propagate fake news. So I think, you know, I, as I as I say all the time, I think that the big journalists who want to fight against the whole fake news label, that they have an opportunity to start taking people like you, like me, um, under their wings to start supporting and endorsing the work that we do and differentiating and not blanketing um, and I think that that is a problem that is there's there's so few of them and there's so much more of us and a lot of them they break stories that come from people like us and you know and we broke it a month ago you know it's kind of crazy so we have Alex Jones now who you know the president President Trump is parroting you know verbatim things out of his mouth things out of Steve Bannon's mouth from Breitbart and, and stuff like that. Abby, what were your early dealings as far as the Alex Jones show, Alex Jones, his entities, Prison Planet, Infowars, and all of that in your activist world? What were your first thoughts and then your final thoughts with regards to Alex Jones journalism? Well, I, I my main issue is empire, imperialism, and war, and militarism, obviously. So, so back in the day, I mean, I was really attracted to Alex Jones uh, when my brother first showed me him because I thought, oh, it's great that someone literally does not care. Like he is putting it all out there, talking about the empire, talking about what we've done around the world, um, calling out the Bush administration. I mean, it was incredible. When Obama got elected is when things started to change because you, you started to see the racism, the, the xenophobia, the bigotry coming out of the woodwork. He started talking about him being a Kenyan Muslim. And, and that's when things all started to, to hit the hay a little bit. Um, and when Occupy Wall Street came on the map, that's when I saw the first initial rift really coming in. I mean, I know that you said during the Tea Party, I was still really trying to build a bridge with people from the Tea Party because I saw the – I was a supporter of Ron Paul back in 2008. I, I understood his whole, you know, anti-militarism, his whole, like, let's apply and the Fed. basic laws and principles to all – everyone in government and everyone in, in, in uh, you know, involved in any corporation. I was like, that sounds great. Um, so I was really still trying to build this bridge with libertarians and, and Alex Jones listeners for a long, long time. And, and throughout, throughout Occupy Wall Street, I still was, even though they were all extremely anti-Occupy Wall Street. And I don't know if it's because – I mean, I, I think now becoming more of a leftist over time and understanding uh, my political ideology and, as we were saying, where it, where it actually comes from and how it operates, I, I really do see capitalism is – 
um, the main cause of a lot of structural violence and inequality. And these people are anarcho-capitalists. They want no regulations. They want to abolish the government. So they love that kind of free reign of corporate control, not realizing that really that's exactly what we have. In fact, they control the entire government and state of apparatus because they've been given so much control. So after the Ron Paul movement through Occupy, through the Tea Party, I still was there on our team building these bridges, still trying to build this avenue to show these people, hey, um, I'm still going to be calling out the Democrats from the day Obama got elected. I was I was out there holding his feet to the fire, never wavered in that stance. And so I guess, Sherry, to me, I'm almost shocked at how many people just completely went to Trump land like it seemed like overnight, I guess, because, you know, Obama was president for so long that you didn't really realize you just kind of I just I guess I assume that these people were on the same page vaguely until Trump got elected. And I really, really saw, wow, it's not so much that they're anti-militarism, and they're anti-drone, they're anti-war. It's that they necessarily are either partisan or have just gotten so sucked into this cult that they legitimately believe that Donald Trump is anti-establishment. The sitting CEO of the U.S. empire with his gaggle of generals and billionaires, you're telling me he's anti-establishment? Give me a break. I mean, let's wake up here. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, when 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 he was when he was campaigning, and everybody said, "Oh, he he's not going to take lobbying dollars and all this," I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And FYI, we have an R rating tonight, so you can say what you want. And I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I'm like, I, I couldn't believe it, and and it was a battle. But I kind of had that same kind of um, meet my maker moment in the sense of I knew that things had gone quite south in the different many different movements from 9/11 Truth to anti-war to anti-globalism capitalism. You know, all of it, you know, and 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 our fight against the corporate media and being bought and sold. I mean, suddenly, just like you, it was like, wow, what did I miss here? We went from zero to 60 and now we have Trump as a president and you motherfuckers are the ones that put him there. And you guys are the people that sat there elbow to elbow with me. You are the people. I mean, so like Adam Ruff, Adam Ruff literally saved my life, my literal life one time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You are so far gone down that rabbit hole, hole that we used to sit there and preach and educate about. The confirmation these bias. To, these people were saying, yeah, it's all confirmation bias, Sherry, and and it's so dangerous. Yeah. These people, these are the same people, and they're the said, ones that were the ones harping on it. They, but they were right on board with Islamic terrorism as manufactured. It's all a, a manufactured threat. How could they go from thinking 9/11 was, um, you know, on be uh, either allowed to happen or or made to happen by their own government to now thinking that every terrorist attack is re not only real but we need to completely have a Muslim ban and you know yeah. and crack down on all leftists. It's like what in the hell happened here? You know, I'm glad that you said the word leftist because one of the things that irked the hell out of people about me all over these last couple decades is that. I, I was not of the left or of the right. I was very independent, very issue based. But like you, as things have rolled out, I've like started leaning more and more to the left. And it's not about socialism. It's not about, you know, all of that. It's about 
humanity. It's about caring about people and the internet. And and Abby, I I, I don't uh, I certainly don't fault you if you don't listen to the show. But one of my big things is that I I am always uh, on a weekly basis. I'm going after technology. This thing that we were told was going to allow us to do more in less time. And it was going to be so great. We're going to be connected, but in 140 characters or less, we are taking down our own country. And I'm not so much of an elitist person that I believe that my own children and my grandchildren are any more important than anyone else's children and grandchildren. And it, and I guess that that is somehow some leftist socialist idea. But to me, that's about being a human being. That's about caring about life. And what we're seeing is a whole bunch of people like Steve Bannon, who has been propagating for a long time now and, and leading these people that, that, that were arm in arm with us before leading them so far astray by that confirmation bias that the internet particularly social media algorithms they are they are it's a new cult in the sense of we don't even need a a physical leader because the internet itself social media itself is a, a cult leader by these algorithms that only show people anymore what is part of their confirmation bias so as a journalist abby as an advocacy journalist, how do we, and then I want to start talking Trump, Russia dossier and stuff, but how do you and I, and then how does the big corporate media that has a whole lot of ass wiping to do right now? Okay. How, how do we all come back from this? And what is the best thing that we can all do to differentiate? Because one of the things that studies have shown is that people like Trump supporters, people like those that you and I both know, we can talk till we're blue in the face, but even the more we talk, the less they listen. So what is the answer from your perspective and what you're doing? Because I mean, I, I know that you've had to come across times where you're like, why am I doing this still? You know, I'm all, I'm, I'm going to be 49 years old next month. Okay. I'm almost 50 freaking years old. Why am I still doing this, Abby? <laughs> because you you're are. Because so you come care, on. Sherry, you're me. doing it because you care and you see hope for humanity. That's <laughs> why we're doing this. We're doing it because we want to change people's <clears throat> minds. We want to open people's minds. We want to spread love and consciousness and humanity and, and, and explore our shared humanity. I want to unpack what you said a little bit here because my, I think, Starting off, of course, the algorithms and um, the social media uh, platforms are a huge hindrance to democracy, 100%. I don't know what the solution is for that because I still am forced to use these things. I know it makes me depressed. Um, I I hate them, but you have to utilize them because that's really where people are at and and sharing information, and it really is that utilitarian um, thing, especially Twitter, at least for now. Facebook is totally screwed. But I do want to say to any Alex Jones people out there who, who are still, you know, dabble in Alex Jones and maybe dabble in Breitbart and really don't understand what, where that ideology comes from, is it's very, very dangerous because Alex Jones led millions, if not tens of millions of people who were rightfully questioning their government, rightfully, you know, um, caring about civil liberties and war and militarism and, and um, turned off by the Bush administration for very, very on-point reasons. He led them to that Breitbart model, which is basically blaming the symptoms of the problem of capitalism and neoliberalism pushed by a bipartisan agenda in, in our government. Democrats and Republicans both work on behalf of corporations, obviously. And with this comes scapegoating. This is, this is a tale as old as time. This happens in every sort of fascistic uprising 
surprising in any country in the history of the world. It's that they pit the working class against each other. So you have all these white people from the Rust Belt who, um, who are who are affected by by what happened with neoliberalism and are affected by Hillary Clinton's 30 years of scandal and corruption and what her husband did to this country. And they see Trump and they see him promising change and it's the hope and change repackaged, Sherry. And that Breitbart model of news where you hone in on every single bad thing that a black person does, every single bad thing that an immigrant does, um, that is very dangerous because you're taking the focus away from the elite. You're taking the focus away from the ruling class who are really sitting at the top perpetuating these policies and racist wars, and you're pitting people against each other, your brothers and sisters, your Muslim friends and immigrants and all of these people that, that make up our society that we should be reaching out to, that we need to be building a real united resistance with. Instead, these people have pitted them against each other, where now we it's divide and conquer like I have never seen, like I never thought it could be. It's devastating. Where now I go online and people are calling, you know, they're trolling me basically for being a leftist because that's what Bannon and InfoWars has done. The left is the enemy now. I mean, it, it's it's just as bad as we we might as well be Muslim terrorists, Sherry. I mean, simply, no, I, I don't I even agree. call myself a socialist. I just simply talk about, like you're saying, talking about humanity, humanity. Uh, we've it's lost frustrating humanity. As hell. Uh, oh, it is <sighs> the humanity that that it, it's it's crazy because you know, I, coming from corporate media, one of the things that, that always bothered me, whether it was from a, a position of being on air, because I used to be a DJ on a rock station in California even, but uh, and from the broadcast uh, advertising and promotion end of it. I, I come from kind of all sides of corporate media, and it was so frustrating to me after 9-11 because, you know, immediately what happened on that day is advertisers pulled all their dollars because of the loop of the towers coming down and all that stuff. Nobody wanted to advertise because they knew it wasn't the right thing to do. All right. And so um, the the thing that had happened to me was this weird mindset because I'm part Middle Eastern. I, I, I talk about this fairly frequently on the show. My, my father's family came here from Syria and <laughs> it's no secret. And it, I am not a Muslim. My family wasn't Muslim. You know, I was uh, baptized and raised Catholic. I was baptized at three months old. And, um, you know, these things that are happening, I'm sitting here and I'm watching them and I'm watching them as, as I'm approaching my, you know, my half a century and I have three adult kids and I have two grandbabies so far now. And I'm like, Oh my God, what, what am I leaving this world to now? Abby, come on, let's be real here. I brought up about, you know, kind of Bush versus Trump mm -hmm. because that's where mm -hmm. you and I kind of met. And when we met in that day, we thought that was it. This is so right. far gone in comparison. Can you kind of speak on that? Because I know that you have to be just as astounded as I am. Yeah, especially since I think Trump is worse potentially. I mean, he put, he puts tr he puts Bush's oil ties to shame. Let's just say that we have freaking fucking the CEO of Exxon Mobil running our foreign policy. I, I mean, come on. Hey, all these people. I know. Come on. Against Bush. Well, I, mean, I just retweeted. I retweeted yeah. these people. I retweeted something for Bill Crystal. <laughs> I retweeted something for George Bush. I'm like, what re alternative reality am I in right now? This is crazy. Now, 
<laughs> if I'm retweeting something from the Koch brothers, who are the epitome of evil, okay, and I'm retweeting this crap, what is going on? And so I, I have to say that my conspiracy mind, I sit here and wonder, was this something? Are they trying to make neocons look good <laughs> so that they can yeah, come back? I mean, I, mean, I mean, it's just disgusting the way that the media is basically gallivanting Bush and Crystal and all these people around as if they're not disgusting war criminals who need to be right. rotting in jail for the rest of their goddamn lives. And they have the audacity yeah. to put these people up on TV and be like, oh, Ellen's dancing with Bush and and all these jokes about his poncho. Give me a fucking break. These people deserve to be in jail. I mean, come on. But back yeah. to your, your point about Trump. I, I really do want to talk about why I think Trump is more dangerous. Yes, the New yeah, I want you to. And I'm criminal and insane. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Abby, let me set this up for you here. Here. I want you to sure. I would I just want you to go ahead and go on a roll. I, I want to talk about Trump and Russia. I want to talk about a little bit or if you can address that dossier, that 35 page dossier, um, the election, the media surrounding it. They have ads right now. Russia has ads right now for bots to be a bot, um, you know, in our American media right now. I want to talk about all these executive orders from Trump, especially, you know, the stuff that went down today. I mean, they're stripping public broadcasting, which is probably the closest thing we have to any kind of truth across the airwaves right now. I want to talk about Bannon and that influence because you and I know very full well how Karl Rove was Bush's brain and, um, you know, Bannon is kind of the equivalent, if not worse. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of, I'm going to let you break it down. <laughs> yeah, and I apologize I mean, I, for my I coughing. No, I was no, just going to say to the listeners, I, I apologize I'm coughing. I, yeah. So I haven't been able to um, really, I feel like this week I'm a little bit out of the loop, but man, Trump gets into office and all these people are apologizing for him, of course, being like, oh, let's just wait and see. Oh, he doesn't mean what he says. He's not going to do any of the things that he says. Well, guess what? He's not only doing every fucking thing that he said he would do, he's doing much worse than we thought right off the gate. I think the first thing that he did within literally like two hours after he got inaugurated, Sherry, was that he made it harder for poor people to get mortgages via some crazy executive order. Uh -huh. And then fast forward to that, slashing the EPA more than any other budget of any government agency, putting someone ahead of the EPA who does not believe in climate change, okay? In the year 2017, every year there's record-breaking temperatures, and we have the head of the empire not believing in climate change, saying that it's a Chinese hoax. Already you have all these generals, the most generals in any cabinet since World War II. You have him signing an executive order. Okay, Bush's big wet dream, rebuilding America's defenses. Remember that document, the PNAC document? Oh, the, the rad document, PNAC. Well, well, guess what? Trump, $54 billion, $52 billion increase in our military. It's already bigger than the next 10 countries combined. What the hell is going on? He's Hey, he's re rebuilding America's defenses bigger than those people could ever have dreamed for. So it's happening very, very rapidly. And, of course, the Muslim ban is the cherry on the cake of, of what these people really want. What is their ultimate goal here? It's a white ethno-supremacist state, just like Israel, basically. They hate all immigrants, even Asians. Bannon hates Asian people. Um, he hates everyone that's not white. And if you just, you know, look at Breitbart, for God's sake. I mean, they used to have a tag on Breitbart called Black Crime because their whole thing is hyping up that black-on-black -black crime. Of course, nothing's the fault of institutionalized racism or police brutality. It's all black people's fault. So, you know, 
Trump's cabinet is so eerie. Not only do you have the alt-right coming to power like never before, which is really this reactionary troll um, ideology that really doesn't have anything other than white nationalism and like hatred of all minorities and women and, and leftists. And then you have Christian evangelicals who have not had this much power. I, I think it's an unprecedented in history. You have Mike <laughs> Pence, who is an extremely terrifying character. You know, I, I talked to Chris Hedges, who was embedded in the Christian right for, for years and years to study his book, Christian Right and the, the uh, Christianized Fascism, as his theory is. He says that they're much more dangerous than actually the alt-right because they have institutions. They've, they have a foundation that's been built. They have a web of power that they've been working on for decades. And look no further than Betsy DeVos. Who's her brother? Eric Prince, the CEO and founder <laughs> of Blackwater. He, she's, she's our education secretary. Her family funds so much Christian propaganda. She's going to be teaching creationism in school again, Sherry, with these charter schools. And Eric Prince is sitting behind the scenes advising Trump. He's running a private army. So it's, it's extremely scary. There's so many different scary aspects of this administration. I don't even know where to start. Where do we start? I, I don't we start know where with to the start. Christian evangelicals or we start with the alt-right? We can get into Bannon's brain, too. I mean, I just did this giant expose <laughs> on Bannon, and I'm really happy you watched it. Like you said about Carl it's amazing. Rove, Bannon is a very, very scary individual, and I, and I want to just briefly talk about who this guy is. I mean, he had a fawning loyalty to Reagan. He, he became a, an Abby? insane militar, militarist back in the day. Go on. Abby, Abby. if you pause yeah. for a minute, I, I want the listener to sure. know something. The the piece yeah. that you did on Bannon is excellent, but I want the listener to understand, and I, I do have some really media savvy is listeners, but the listener needs to understand something that is, is so true, and I know Abby's going to back me up, especially Abby, because her and I are lambasted, uh, her more so than me because she has much more higher profile, but the we are lambasted by activists in general, whether they're from our past or our present, and oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, and oh, you need to do more you need to do more but we are one individual a piece and if we're going to do something right we can only do so many things at a time to do something right and the piece that you did on bannon although very excellent i i do want the listener to know that there is so much more about bannon mm -hmm. to know and to learn and to understand than what's just in that piece so when you when you watch abby's piece which i highly encourage Please don't stop there. When when people like Alex Jones say, oh, research it yourself. Do your due diligence. That term, due diligence. Oh, my God. I used to say that term, due diligence. I'm sure you did too, Abby. But people don't do their due diligence. They click and share. Okay, so I, I want you to continue to talk about that. But I, I think that they need to understand because I think that that is one of the biggest complaints that the general population of the activism, advocacy, journalism world, the people that follow you and I and people like us, complain about is we're not covering enough how much can we cover to do well <laughs> so go ahead on to right. the steve bannons yeah of course i mean like alex jones says we have the documents folks it's all out on the internet you just have to look <laughs> it up all you know what i like to do and and you know as i was saying before i don't hide my bias i don't hide my opinion obviously i think bannon's a repugnant individual who's a piece of shit um, but I do try to really go through every aspect of an issue with the show Empire Files and really put it together in a really coherent way that makes you understand the context and background. Because a lot of these, you know, a lot of the problems with the media, as as you well know, is kind of a reaction to this 24-hour news cycle, and you're just kind of, you know, 
covering superficialities and, and on to the next one and on to the next one. And so with this show, we're really trying to provide something that can be utilized for years and years, actually, as, as just a, a piece within itself. But Bannon, you know, not only is he a military, um, a, a militarist, he was uh, obsessed with Reagan. He is a serial wife beater. And, I, and, I, and you know, a lot of people have complained that I, I put in personal baggage in this episode. But I really do think that this shows a lot about someone's character um, when they choke their fucking wife. Um, because when someone chokes their wife, then they're capable of killing someone. That's a study um, from the Journal of Emergency Medicine that's been proven time and again. Victims of domestic abuse, if, if you get choked, you're more likely to be murdered. So not only is he a horrible human being in his personal life, he also you know, just completely abandoned his kids. His wife, he, ma- he didn't marry his wife until she took an amniocentesis that proved the babies were normal and not mentally retarded. Yeah, that was um, and just, so it's just crazy. That's naughty. That is that... Oh, oh my God! It's totally. beyond disturbing, Abby. That totally. that is that is Nazi Germany purist bullshit. Okay, we're we're. I mean, totally. that uh, Steve Bannon. I talked about him before, and he had said that he was um, a communist, basically, but that we had to have socialism first to be to get into the communism of what he, he wanted. He, he said he was a Marxist. He said he wanted to destroy a Leninist. Yeah, and so. Yeah, exactly. and so, I mean, what he meant by that is he wants to take down the whole establishment, right? But, of course, he he totally hates leftists. And, he, in fact, he blames the civil rights movement and leftists and anti-racist movements for essentially causing the collapse of the economy. He literally does not blame capitalism for anything. He doesn't blame imperialism for anything. He blames literally minority groups. I just can't stress this enough. And, you, and look no further than Breitbart, really, to, to hammer this home. But But you can see it in his whole film career, too. I mean, he... He basically has made like 10 right-wing propaganda films that are apocalyptic as hell. Everything from – he made the main smear piece against Occupy Wall Street. Um, and he's also a Goldman Sachs guy. Let's not forget that. He, the majority of his life was actually money bundling exactly. for Goldman Sachs um, as a banker. And, and he not only money bundled for um, – you know, he really fascinating. He actually made a lot of money because he was invested in a financial firm that invested in Seinfeld. Um, so that's how he's actually really rich, as well as his Goldman Sachs connections. But one really interesting thing, Sherry. This wait, 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 wait! I'm so sorry. Pornographers. Yeah. Abby, uh-huh. I'm so. I don't mean to derail you. He invested in Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's not that. Okay, he invested we have to. We have to Seinfeld, give a little a more company. punch to that pulp culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he blames pop culture and millennials for, like, the rise of ISIS and stuff because he says that Judeo-Christian cultures on, you know, um, has been crushed by basically people like us. So he just has a virulent hatred for anyone that's just not like a white guy. Um, but, but what's really interesting is that he also bundled money for a company called IGE. And um, all the Pizzagate-obsessed people out there who just are <laughs> totally convinced that John Podesta is running a pedophile. Oh, my God, I love you. Pizza, why don't they care about Steve Bannon, who raised tens of millions of dollars for fucking known pedophiles? Literally, like yeah. the three board members of this company were all convicted of child molestation, sex with underage boys. Huh, that's funny. You don't hear all these people. Where's Alex Jones? Where's, where's all these people talking about Bannon covering and raising money for known pedophiles? Haven't heard a peep. So that's, his, that's how he basically got all this 
this, um, you know, money. And then, of course, Andrew Breitbart, he really hitched his wagon to Andrew Breitbart and saw that Andrew Breitbart had taken this drudge aggregation model and created this hysterical narrative around it and created these stories and really cultivated like a movement. As he called the hub of the alt-right was really fostered on Breitbart. And so that's, that's basically when Andrew Breitbart dropped dead unexpectedly, Steve Bannon was there, stepped right in, and basically just had this huge platform and, and he's done this before where he's hitched his wagon to, to a fringe candidate like he did Trump. He tried to do it with Sarah Palin, and it totally failed. He even made a whole film about her and didn't interview her once in the film. <laughs> so then he saw, you know, he saw Trump. <laughs> that was probably a smart um, move. <laughs> <laughs> totally smart move. Didn't work, though. Yeah. Um, but, he, but, you know, he, he, he calculatedly, he calculated the success of, of latching on to Trump. And it totally, totally worked. And all he did was, was provide Trump this doting audience. People even left Breitbart in protest because they were like, this basically turned into just a Trump campaign website. You know, he became the CEO of Trump's campaign. And I really, truly believe that Bannon is why Trump won, because Trump tapped into that economic, that, that populism that people were really wanting. I mean, that's why Bernie Sanders was popular. That's why Trump was popular, because he really he was calling out free the free trade deals. He was calling out all of um, Abby. Yeah, go on. Abby, do you think do you think that um, that it was Bannon himself and his message that glommed onto Trump that allowed him to win, or the other way around? I mean, oh, how I do you totally think that think that Trump dynamic is- happened? I think that Trump is such a um, vacuous idiot. And people are like, oh, he can't be that stupid. He won. Well, of course he did. He, he won the only way that the celebrity reality stardom fucked country knows how to make people win. Reality stars, baby. That's, that's how he won. Because we, we're a yeah. society that cares nothing about celebrity culture. And, and so you're no, telling me that oh, he's this evil genius? Of course he's not. He has zero ideology. No. That's why he used to be, quote, unquote, liberal. He was funding all sorts of political campaigns. He cares about one thing, making money, his business. He is a corporation. He's a Trump corporation. So Bannon saw this. He, he tapped into him. Trump saw the, the audience that Breitbart had cultivated. He saw the audience that Alex Jones had cultivated. And I really think it's dangerous, going back to Alex Jones briefly, is that people really treat him like some sideshow and he's a total joke. We both know, Sherry, how much that actually is not true, that he has tens of millions it's of people who are, have their fingers on the trigger. And if he says he'll die for Trump and it's time for you to die for him too, guess what those people are going to do? And that's who scares me those. And that's who I feel like really came out in droves to to vote for Trump. People like to talk about, they like to blame Russia, they like to blame me, and they want to blame RT. But really, at the end of the day, no one's talking about who, you know, they think it's just like these people in the Rust Belt that are just like steel workers and stuff. I really, truly believe that Alex Jones tapped into a formerly, previously politically inactive circle of people that came out in droves and really put Trump in. Absolutely. I really do think that. No, I, I do think about that because they don't want to take Alex Jones seriously. But guess what? It's time no, to they, because he's in the ear it, it, of the president. No, we have to, Abby. We have to, no matter how much we want to. And and that's what's kind of scary and frightening is that Alex Jones has been waiting for this moment, but he's not dealing with mm-hmm. it well. And that's a good thing. So, again, for people listening, if you did not 
see his uh, uh, chaos view. I know you're in the listener chat room. If you could please share that link, I'd really appreciate it. I cannot push this link enough. Uh, as I said in the opening, it should be um, mandatory <laughs> viewing for every American right now. This is who President Trump listens to. Watch this man from this weekend in this five-minute clip of his own not edited by anyone else on InfoWars. And you tell me that that is what you want leading this country because that is what is leading this country. Uh, President Trump, and, and I hesitate saying president, just like I did with Bush and, and others, and including Obama. There were many issues with Obama. And, and I guarantee you that Abby Martin, my guest tonight, she's not an Obama fan and supporter in the sense that, oh, it's a left-right thing. It is there are rights and there are wrongs. And everybody that we lift up into some kind of hero worship status, like the 9-11 Truth Movement did with Richard Gage, there will be things that you find out, whether immediately or down the road, that you hate. And when you find out and you suddenly want to lambaste that person, it doesn't absolve you. What it does is it should check you and make you, for the next time, look into things better. With regards to Alex Jones, this man is on the verge of some kind of apocalyptic heart condition, for sure. But he... <laughs> was in his most ridiculous element that I have ever seen him in this weekend. And I don't know that you saw that, Abby, but I, I mean, I truly, as I watched this, I feared for the man's life. And, and, and I do care even if Alex Jones drops dead. Okay. Um, but it was like, wow. But what we're, what we're seeing happen is, is a true dynamic that a lot of people have accused you and accuse me and other people like us of. And that is that we get attention from somebody big and somehow we've changed our stance and our message. And I know that I can say, as a matter of fact, with the whole 9-11 thing, I mean, there were people that just tried to destroy you in in, in mainstream and, and, and fake stream and metal stream. <laughs> and it wasn't going to happen. I certainly wasn't going to be a part of allowing it happen. I wrote a big thing about why you're doing what you're doing and how you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's about broadening the message and doing the right thing and being ethical. But what we have seen is we have seen people like Alex Jones. We've seen people like like Michael Savage. And and I could sit here and I can run a litany of, of people. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, okay? He's gone. We haven't heard anything from him since the big blow up, but I, I assure you he'll be back. And if he's not backed, I think, and, and I hate to say this, but I said this a couple shows ago, and I hold everybody listening responsible if this happens uh, in a certain extent, just like Abby and I hold ourselves responsible for kind of the mess we're in it, to a certain extent, because we bear the brunt of some of the beginnings of where we are now. And that is with Milo Yiannopoulos. He is a victim of serious abuse. And what he did on Joe Rogan's show was a, a typical abuse victim thing of flirting with Joe Rogan for attention. What he said, what he meant, it doesn't matter, but I don't want people bashing. I don't want people out there bullying this dude because the last thing I want to report on, and I'm sure the last thing Abby wants to report on, no matter how we disagree with the message, is a suicide because of people that follow people like us saying that, oh, we caused something to happen. 
People like that need some serious help. People like Steve Bannon need help and they're never going to get it. People like (laughs) Donald Rumsfeld from the Bush administration are never going to get it. Abby, before I start wrapping up into my clothes, I would really like it if you could address the differences between Bush and Trump. I think that that would matter most for people that know both of us. I mean, I, I want to flip that question around to the people who support Trump. What is the difference between Bush and Trump? What makes you trust Trump? How is it that Trump has tapped into this conspiracy culture where you look at videos on YouTube, there's not basically no one disbelieves him. Everyone in this movement, this crazy conspiracy movement that has grown out of proportion, um, believes and trusts that he will somehow take down the deep state. It's fascinating. I think that the biggest difference is that Trump is, is so much of a puppet because he lacks, you know, he, he doesn't have any political ideology or, or any direction at all, that he's so susceptible. And that's what's so dangerous. At least Bush was part of this cohort. You know, his dad was a CIA director, former president. He Bush had, had a real opinion. You knew exactly, <laughs> you knew exactly where, what they were going to do. You literally did. And you knew that they weren't going to go too far because they knew that that would potentially be destructive in the future. Trump has no limits. The people he's surrounding himself have no limits. They will go to war with North Korea. They will go to war with Iran. They will go to war with Russia if they want to. If Putin calls Trump, if he says that he has a small dick, what's Trump going to do tomorrow? This person is so narcissistic and self-obsessed. All he does is watch media about himself. He could do, and Bannon's in his ear, and Bannon could be that deciding factor with whatever war they go to. But I do want to address one really quick thing, Sherry, is that a lot of people are attacking me about the Bannon piece and my criticisms of Trump, and they're saying you're falling into the left-right paradigm. That's not the left-right paradigm. There is a real political, ideological spectrum of left and right ideology. You're talking about Democrats versus Republicans. Of course there's very little difference between the parties. They're both beholden to the same corporate interest. That's not what I'm talking about here. When I call myself a leftist, I'm not, and and when I call someone far right, that means that that's your ideology beyond political partisanship. And when we talk about globalism, that, to me, that's capitalism. That's the, that's the corporatocracy. It doesn't mean, um, you know, I, I understand that people don't want the TPP. I don't want the TPP. I get what that does when you have a lot of corporations working together to usurp the sovereignty of countries and how much that can undermine Democrat, I'm sorry, democracies. But that's not what I'm talking about either when I, when, I, when I make fun of people using the word globalism because, again, it's been hijacked by these people to mean multiculturalism, to literally mean the mixing of cultures and immigration. And that's not what I'm talking about when I say this. But I will also say one thing is that I have never been more attacked by anyone than I have truthers. I am harassed, stalked, trolled to no end by truthers, more than anyone else online. And that really says a lot because I'm the most 9-11 truth friendly journalist probably out there. And that's, it's really amazing, and it really makes me understand why people are turned off to the movement, why they shut it down, and why they don't associate themselves with it at all. Because that's what the movement Abby, has how- done to me. Good God, what have they done yeah. to other people? No, Abby, that's so important. That is so important, and I think that I, mentally I've reeled literally have reeled like a ping pong ball from what questioning myself. And I'm sure you have questioned yourself over the years. How do we, we have about, we have about five minutes um, before I have to start wrapping up. Mm -hmm. How do we address this as true journalists? Let me tell you something. 
one of the things that that pisses me off to no end, especially coming from corporate media, me coming from corporate media. That's where I, I, I came from. I didn't just suddenly decide I'm a journalist. OK. And, you know, because the Internet said I could. Right. And, and, and if you're listening right now, do not tune out and log out when Abby's gone. I have a message for you. But the thing is, is Abby, how do we move forward as responsible citizens, as journalists, whether independent, alternative, legacy, it doesn't matter. As journalists, we are all from the same blood. We should all care about the same thing. Because let me just say, journalism was an act, I forget the exact name of it, but, you know, basically in 59 BC, when journalism became to be, they tacked up a, a, a concrete slab with the news of, you know, court cases, and then it grew into like births and stuff like that. The FTC today requires legacy terrestrial broadcasting media to do these things called ascertainments of political you know, pushers and influencers in their world, politicians and whatnot. Abby, how do we fight this as any kind of journalism, as any kind of activist, as any kind of real true blue citizen that cares about what happens in America and knows that what is happening is so wrong? You got about three minutes. The floor is yours, lady. So I I totally hear when people really like when Trump um, is right, you know, broken clocks, right twice a day. And when Trump calls out CNN and New York Times as fake news, it's funny, right? And and people love that. And they've been praising him. Oh, it's about time. He's calling out the corporate fired. media. He is not calling out the corporate media. And all, everyone in the journalistic community and just as awake citizens should be extremely concerned when the president of the United States is closing off certain media agencies from the from – from the press corps, calling people fake news blanketly. In fact, he's weaponized the term. Congratulations, Washington Post. You handed the president of the United States a term that's weaponized back to all non-corporate media. Great job. Um, but it, it is very concerning. And I have, you know, I, I find it disheartening and disconcerting that people actually are praising him for doing that. We all need to take a step back and stand in solidarity because an attack on one journalist is an attack on all journalists. And I don't care if you're from CNN. Um, uh, you know, we're going to stand uh, together against the empire because the empire doesn't change with the president. It doesn't end in one day. Um, it's going on. He's already put troops on the ground in Syria. Um, people are suffering and living in misery around the world because of the policies of this government every day. And it doesn't end with Trump and it doesn't end with anything that's going on right now. But it sure as hell will end with masses of people coming together, going out in the street, I, I really do, my, my final message, Sherry, is A, become media literate. This is the number one most important thing you can do. Sure, go to Breitbart, go to InfoWars, go to CNN, um, but, but understand the biases, understand where these stations are coming from, what their narrative is. Go to RT, but understand you're probably not going to get the full truth about Russia. Go to Telesaur. Um, go to all these networks and, and get a variety of opinions so that you can discern your own opinion from those. Don't just blanketly believe in, and hold up these, these sacred cows um, at all. You have to become media literate. That is the number one thing you can do. The number two thing you can do is become active. Wear buttons, put slap stickers on your car, pass out flyers, go to your local coffee shops, engage in conversations. Right now, people are motivated, they're awake, they're empowered, they're, they're eager. They're so eager. I just bring up 
something, you know, and, and I have people all around me going, hey, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? It's amazing time to be alive. We have an opportunity rise out of the ashes of a horrible, devastating time that could potentially be very dark, Sherry, and we have an amazing opportunity to turn that around and for the phoenix to rise, and I really do believe in humanity. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't believe in us, if I didn't believe in the good of people to do the right thing. We can't accept what is going on. We can't accept banning people from this country. We can't accept discriminating against people. We can't accept these hate crimes, the violence that's going on. We have to stand up and support each other and extend a hand. Because right now, more than ever before, if you see someone being harassed, go out there. Go out there and say, hey, I don't support this. Um, We have to all be vocal. Put yourself out there. We have to, Sherry. And, and I'm going to be doing it we the day I die. Not- I'm never going to stop, and I know you're never going to stop either, because we have to leave some sort of world for our grandchildren. That's right, and we have to not be afraid. It, it, you know, you, you cannot be afraid, and I encourage everybody to stay tuned. Uh, now that Abby's going to go, I, I, I please stay for the final message, because I think it's important. Abby, thank you so much for coming on. I want to do this again, because I, I, I truly do think that you and I have a piece of this Trump puzzle that nobody else has, and I, I would like to continue to explore that with you, but again, thank you very much. Do you have any, um, I've shared some websites, but do you want to go ahead and give some URLs to your to your websites before we go? Sure, the empirefiles.tv. Follow me on Twitter at Abby Martin and listen to my my brother and my podcast at Media Roots Radio available on Stitcher and iTunes. Thank you so much, Sherry. Um, keep up the fight and and let's keep questioning the establishment because <laughs> Trump sure I, I love your not brother. handy that. <laughs> <laughs> I Bye, love Jerry. your brother. Tell Robbie I said great job, and we are going to connect again. Thanks so much for coming on, Abby. I appreciate you. Thanks. I appreciate you very, very much. You have been doing such a great job. It's uh, amazing as people evolve over time. You know, getting lost on the Internet, it's not that hard to do. It's just like falling in line with a cult. It can happen to anyone. No one's judging you for being lost. We only care that you are finally found. Please help us find you. Technology promised that we would be able to do more in less time. Well, right now, that more that we all did, it's turning out to be a whole lot more than any one of us bargained for. Fake news is everywhere, and discerning what is real and what is false is only going to get harder. Photoshop is soon to be the least of our worries with new audio-video software that allows anyone to put any words in anyone else's mouth in real time. Think about that, and think about the Internet itself as a cult as a cult leader that's driven by algorithms that are programmed by who knows who are you falling in lockstep i bet in some way that you are most people do not take the time they don't take the time to see what they see or hear is real if it looks real or sounds like something they want to hear it's called confirmation bias and they're going to share it and it's one of the first rungs on this ladder to brainwashing or mind control as we call it You know, those things you say. You say you're staunchly against. You call yourself a reporter, a researcher, a historian. If you fancy yourself a purveyor of pop culture or even parody, get your damn facts straight. That's your responsibility, not the source you use. If you blog, podcast, broadcast, or otherwise produce content, what are you really selling? That's a good question. But the better one to ask yourself is why are you selling it? If you're a legacy reporter and you're not mentoring small reporters or bloggers, You're in part also responsible for this thing we call fake news. These people, they look up to you. 
These bloggers, they really do. Give them a better reason to do so. If you're a politician, don't wait until your career is nearly over to step into the light and do the right thing by Americans. Come on, do it now. Resist the temptation to glide through your term. Who cares if you don't get the vote next time? You have it this time. Make it worth our while or we're going to keep doubting that system. But we voted you in. Don't be cowed by Donald Trump. Don't bow down to the broken system. Fixed it. All the problems we have, we've all participated in making them. Just as tonight's guest and I once participated in what was culminated into this presidency. I carry that weight. I carry it heavily, feeling every bit of that responsibility. That's called conscience, the sadly lacking thing. It's really a part of our humanity that we seem to be missing. That's the gift of technology. That's what it's bestowed us. Our words, my words, your words, they all have power. What are you using your power for? What impact are your words making in the world, in your community, and most importantly, in your home? We have to take responsibility for the propaganda that we participate in, whether we are uh, creating it or curating it. It doesn't matter. Then the cycle of click, like, share. Are we any better? Really? If you like what I'm doing, please share the links. Gratuities to the show's PayPal are absolutely always needed and appreciated. They also show me that you really care about what I do and that you think that what I'm doing is providing you some sort of value. Uh, Value is important. So if you missed part of tonight's show or any of the others, you can find the archives and the donor link on the website at challengingtherhetoric.news. Thank you so much, Abby Martin, for being a part of the show. I seriously hope you hope you come back. I think that we have a lot to talk about that really matters today. That's it for me tonight. I'll be back live next Tuesday talking revenge porn or the the proper term, electronic sexual assault with cybercrime computer forensic expert Frederick Lane. Until then, please, please, please be kind to one another. Thanks so much for listening. I love you all. Your time is as important to me as mine only is to me. Be sure to share the show and the website, challengingtherhetoric.news.